Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Pursuit of Purpose. Uh, tonight we're looking a little thin. Uh, we're missing the educator and the investigator. <laughs> so we have Kevin Nelson and we have a guest today, Jason Bowl. How's it going? Welcome. Howdy. I guess no one can see me, but you can hear me. That's right. That's right. Uh, we uh, had a busy week this week, I think. Everybody's had a little bit of a busy week. We um, got some news stories for you. Did you all hear about the Rockefeller tree getting put up? Something about an owl? Yeah, they found an owl in it after it was delivered. The 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 tagline I saw was, um, the Rockefeller tree ceremony um, fit right into everything else we've seen in 2020. It was looking a little sparse. But I- <laughs> <laughs> well, explain because I did. I just looked at. I just saw the article, like the tag on it, and I didn't like. I didn't read the article. I'm sure you've seen Christmas Vacation. Like the, the tree squirrel. after it caught on fire, the squirrel, it, like, yeah. <laughs> the squirrel. That, Is that all there was? Was just an owl? Like they didn't even decorate it? It, it was it was uh, it was a wild owl that they found in transport, so they had to take it back to the wild. Oops. Yeah. So, but the owl survives. Correct. So this is like good news. This yeah. is like a happy story. Yeah, we're going with a happy story. And was it like an endangered owl? It's a very small owl. That's all I really understood. But it's at a wildlife sanctuary now. They're going to release it back. You know, I have an owl story. Oh, let's go with that. Uh, I think it was... Man, Jason, you might have been working at working at the Leesburg Church of Christ at the time. Or it was right before. I was, I, I was still in college. Like my graduate like graduate school and i'm sitting here real late at night it was probably almost midnight or something and i i can't i don't know if i was doing church stuff or if i was doing you know stuff for for you know a a paper i had to write for fantasy football draft (laughs) or fantasy football (laughs) could be either one possibly but um i'm sitting here and i hear this boom like out in the foyer and I'm like, what was that? And I walk out and walk around to the big glass, you know, all the big, you know, right in the double doors in the front and all those big glass windows. And I look down, there's a little, like one of them, it was a small owl. And so I, I'm like, oh no, it's dead. It's laying on the ground. So I pick it up thinking it's dead. Well, it's not dead. <laughs> But it was breathing, but it was real bad shape. So I brought it in the church, and I take it into my office, and I'm just like trying to, you know, pet it and trying to wake it up, and it, it like slowly comes comes to, and like it's sitting on my desk, just chilling there, like looking at me and like trying to figure out where it's at and what's going on, and then it just starts flying, and I like it flies up onto like my book, the book cab, the bookcase, and I'm like. Oh my goodness! Like this could go real bad, this, like this was real a quick. Choice. <laughs> right. Finally, I catch this thing and I let it go outside. But yeah, yeah, I had I had an experience. So I saved an owl too. You've done it. You've done it. I mean, that's like a big deal, right? I don't know. And then, uh, as we all know, we got Thanksgiving coming up next week, which is a week from today, actually, which is un- hard to believe that we're in Thanksgiving mode. Um, and Kevin asked me to find an interesting fact about Thanksgiving. Oh. Yes. Um, which president received a raccoon as a Thanksgiving gift? Can you give me, like, parameters of years? I will give you 1926. 
I have no idea. Nate Terrible would know. historian. Nate would know. 1926. Calvin Coolidge. <laughs> was it one of uh, Snoopy's, the uh, little birds? Was it one of the birds named Coolidge? That's about, was it? I think so. And it was uh, I could be a wrong Missy, on that. Mississippi man <laughs> sent it to him. Yeah, fact check that. Fact checked his, his okay. Coolidge. Uh, you have to definitely fact check, check yes. that. Snoopy bird. Is that what he said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like his little... Uh, you know, little birds, yellow birds that fall you around. You had, uh, what was the one that was named after the festival? Woodstock. 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 Mm, I was yeah. way off. Yep. And then, um, yeah, so he got a pet raccoon. I mean, why not? And it, it goes on to say that it um, it, it helped their uh, animal profile there because they had a black bear, a wallaby, a pygmy hippo at the White House. Come on. I'm telling you. It's on Google and history.com. I would like to know how they kept the White House from like reeking. With a pygmy hippo? Unbelievable. <laughs> Different times. I guess so. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Well, hey, man. That like positive news this week. We were looking through the feed beforehand. There was thin. not. <laughs> there was not a lot of good news. It's Thanksgiving, and yeah. uh, our news sources, our media outlets, are not really getting in the holiday season. Not yet. Nope. Not yet. <sighs> well, um, we have uh, Jason Bowl with us today. Uh, he is. The what is your official title there? At Jason. <laughs> do you do you ever have people say, is it do do they call you pastor or they do. They yeah. do. What my do you, typical response is my father named me Jason. You can just call me that. <laughs> but yeah, I, my official, I guess if you want to give me an actual title, would be senior minister or head minister. Right. So which is kind of funny. And how but, old are you, Jason? 36. 36. And mm-hmm. you've been the senior guy there for how long? This will be year number five. Man. I know, right? So this is a milestone. Do they throw like a party for you? They did not. I don't know if that's good news or bad news. <laughs> <laughs> you can ask me this time next year. <laughs> See if you're still there. That's right. <laughs> um, and you were, before that, you were at Owensville. Yes. For how many years? Oh, I don't know, like seven? Seven, seven years, years, probably. I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, I think it was seven years. And then where were you before that? Leesburg Church of Christ, man. That's right, baby! Here! Coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, one of the originals, man. Yes. Now, uh, and that was, how many? How long were you here? I think I was here about a year and a half. Okay. So, because I had just gotten married. Well, I was... Well, I was Check that. I was in grad school, and because I was taking classes, we took some of the same classes together. Yes, we did. So, and then right after, actually, that, you're the married. reason I went to graduate school. Yeah, because you had started, and you had said, "Hey, man, you should like at least take one of these classes because you can get it for free." That's right. And the reason I came to Leesburg is because I got in trouble at CCU, <laughs> and Rick Cherok thought. The way to rehab me was to send me <laughs> to live with Kevin Stuckey. I mean... So that's how we met, man. Rebel at CCU, just in trouble. I'm not recommending that for anybody else. I'm just telling you, it worked. It, it worked. worked. In it, this case... It did. By the grace of God. That's right. 
<laughs> but that's what that's what the Bible teaches, right? Right. God loves to work through fools, man. So. <laughs> Wait. Uh, yeah, I meant Rick Cherok, not Kevin Stickler. Oh, okay. I'm just teasing. <laughs> no, uh, Rick was a good Rick Cherok, uh, mm-hmm. professor of history at CCU Church History. Yep. Um, was a really good friend of mine mm-hmm. and knew you very well. And mm-hmm. actually, he's the one that called me and said, "Hey, I got this guy." Mm-hmm. He lives down or is from, you know, your area, your neck of the woods, which that was um, um, White Oak area, which mm-hmm. what, what what is that? It's, well, it's still Highland County. It's Highland County, but what? Yeah. So I, I uh, Sugar Tree Ridge is where. Sugar Tree Ridge. That's yeah. that's where it mm-hmm. was, out by Sugar Tree Ridge. Yep. Yeah. And you grew up there, so you were mm-hmm. familiar with yeah. the culture, mm-hmm. you know, and back then the Leesburg Church of Christ was very much not. Like not like it is today at all. Like mm-hmm. very much a a typical Church of Christ um, church, and and uh, and so. You, but but you fit right in. Mm-hmm. Came in. That was shortly after I had become senior minister. Yeah, here. you hadn't started. You had just started not too long um, there, and then I was here for probably a year and a half, I'd say, um, and then I. Uh, started preaching um, at Germantown, Kentucky, just on Sundays for a year, and then I got the job, the full time job at Owensville. Yeah. So, but it was it was good. I, you I really li- missed it. Now, when you first started, I can't remember. I know. Did did you? I know you lived with my brother. Did we live? Did you live with me as well for a time? I, I did, man. I, man, I, it's so I, I'm trying to remember. It's, it's been just a couple while. months because you were getting ready to get married. That's right. So I lived with you while you were reading. Brian was the house. still living there. Brian lived there and we spent a lot of time playing video games and <laughs> at one point we were watching twenty four and having Madden at the same time. Yes. It was, it was, it was We a had lot two of fun. big TVs. Two big TVs, yeah. Yeah. So you had the Madden going on over here mm-hmm. and the whatever series we were into, twenty four. Yeah, I know. Yep. And that's not continuing now. Has it changed? I mean I wish that I was still doing some of those things. <laughs> right. um, I've gotten into mobile gaming a little bit, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe a little too much at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the, yeah. it's amazing how things change. Like you don't have time for that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. It truly <laughs> is. Yeah. So I, I lived with you for a short time. And then we moved out um, to, I think it was your uncle's or grandpa's. No, place. it's it was the it's our family farm. The family farm. Yeah. The White House. Buena yeah. Vista. Buena Vista. We were talking about Buena Vista. Yeah, Buena Vista on the podcast like a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. And we call it Buni. Like that's so if we were reference it, it's hey, we're going to Buni. That's where that's that's what we call it. That's yep. the nickname for it. I so got some wonderful memories at that place, man. It's a lot of fun. And my brother was really a really clean person too. He was, like, man. <laughs> cleanest i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> oh everywhere he had like he had his own room in the house it was this little it was it's just a little closet was really what it was i mean is essentially like a mm-hmm. desk or a or a office room and it had clo- clothes piled i don't know three feet you could open the door and it just had this this man stench to it so we kept the door closed all the time mm-hmm. but yeah, those were those were good times. Definitely, <laughs> it was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, it was a lot, awesome. a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Now, married, family. Yes. So, what what's the situation with that? Like, how many kids? So I have four kids. 
So one one girl, three boys. So Willow's the oldest, and then um, River, Ezra, and Ira. And how old is your oldest? She is ten. Ten years old. Ten years. Well, she'll be ten in December. So what's the like cutoff age for when they're allowed to be home by themselves? Like to stay home. I mean, legally. I'm not saying like. I have no idea. I don't either. Is it like twelve? Couldn't even tell you. See, Nora's seven. And I asked somebody the other day, you know, like, can she stay home? They're like, no, she can't do that. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I'm, I'm waiting for that point where, you know, the kids can just take care of themselves completely. Mm-hmm. It's amazing though. Like you, you know, you do everything for them. And then now Nora can pretty much do everything herself. If she wakes up in the right mood, she can do everything for herself. Yeah. Is that how your 10 year old is? Willow. Is she, is she independent? Yes. She's very independent. She cooks. She cleans. Um, she mothers her brothers. I mean, <laughs> she's good. she's like her mom in that regard. Like she's you know type A personality. Um, she gets everything done. I mean, it's like that on wow. time. Doesn't mess around. She's a force to be reckoned with. Huh. So the boys, on the other hand, they're uh, you know they're still learning. They take after the bowl side. In a certain way, yes. <laughs> Hopefully not our short and small stature. Hopefully they, they take the largeness from their mom's side. Yeah. And by that I mean the men in the family, not right. their mother. <laughs> so, like, how is the the dynamic? I mean, you're living in Peebles. Um, God's country? Yes. It is Adams County, man. Is that, is that the reference? Well, so we're, the Blake Shelton song, that's what he was singing about? Well, we're number one on the license plate for a reason. <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys know this or not. I don't. This is news to us. When they sing about Beulah Land and those, I mean, they're talking Adams County. Adams County. So baby. I love it, man. Yeah, so we're right in the heart of it all, man. Going mm-hmm. good there? I mean, at the church and everything? Like, how are things? Like, I think uh, it's, it's a wonderful church. It's got a long history. Um, it's been there since uh, 18... 87 or 1890 wow. don't don't wow. quote me on that number it's i know it's right there um they've gone through a lot down through the years um we, we always tell one famous story that we were progressive before it was cool because uh during <laughs> world war one um all the men in the town were it was world war one or world war two they were all gone i'm pretty sure it was world war one so they had to have a lady that preached one sunday because all the men were you know gone but they've they've gone through multiple uh buildings and you know, that's been it's a good, good, solid congregation. Well, and it is. I'm, I've, of course, you know, from Butler Springs and yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You get to know. I've gotten to know, you know, a lot of people from your congregation, and there are there's a lot of good people uh, in that area. And yeah, man, it's it's, it's small town, um, but it's it, small town's good. I love small town. Yeah. Um, you know, hardworking. You know, moral, upright. Um, you know, give you the shirt off your back. Yeah. Cook you a meal. I mean, they're just they're good, godly people. So we've been uh, not that other places aren't. I just you know, I'm, we we really love it. Well, I mean, and I think too, like you know, you've been to other places. Mm-hmm. You've worked in in other environments, and yep. you know, there is good and there is bad, and and yeah, it isn't right. like you know, the bad is you know. Uh, something to flee from, although at times maybe it is, <laughs> but but there are different dynamics in, in in ministry and where you're serving and what you're doing. 
that plays a lot in longevity in ministry and being able to stay in a place and knowing, hey, listen, like this is an environment where, hey, listen, they're absolutely not things that need to change and be better, but that, but, but there's there's something to work with here. Yeah, absolutely. And, so the difference between I noticed um, Owensville and Peebles, and that's just like I say, man, just one one person's observation. Um, but Owensville, a lot of those uh, individuals there had moved in when the GM GM plant was put in, you know, so you're talking maybe two generations of people, um, there. So the, so the traditions, the things handed down were in one regard, easily changed. Um, but roots that aren't deep, you know, you could, you could change it because you want to change it, but then something bad could come in and change it very quickly as well. Right. Whereas you move to, when I moved to Peebles, um, even though I grew up 15 miles down the road, like Peebles is, you know, its own town. Um, and it, some of those People have been there four or five generations, um, which is which is really nice because they know their history, they knew who they are, they're confident in that. Um, and you say, well, that could be a bad thing. So if you got to change something, well, the nice part about that long of a you know history is there's always something to draw from in the past somewhere, right? Because whatever issue comes up, the church has you know dealt with that. So like the church was around when they dealt with the Spanish flu. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, so we had we had precedent of what the Christians in that little town did, um, and we could draw upon that to help us there. And so I, I really appreciate that. And I know sometimes you know small town traditions they get a bad rap for you know being closed minded or whatever, but that's not been my experience. Do you do you do you see change? Like, what is the speed of change like in 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 that kind of culture? Just and the reason I ask is because I know, you know, one of the things that for me coming to Leesburg, you know, at the very beginning it was, you know, ch- changes can happen, but it, but you had to kind of be committed to that and seeing that through over a long period of time. Like there was no way. Like the things that we're doing now with the podcast, with, with, with the what even the style that we do our services and some of the more mm. um, contemporary things we we do with like our media and technology and those types of things. Like if I would have tried to roll some of this stuff out, you know, within the first few years that I was here, even if it was, you know, a dynamic and and a really good idea, it would not have taken root. It really did take establishing myself for years before I was really trusted, mm-hmm. even though I grew up in this town, before people would trust me enough to say, yeah, I can get on board with that. Or, you know, let's let's kick it around. Let's kick the tires and see what happens here. What I mean, you, you weren't from Peebles. Now, I think there's some goods and some bads, right? You know, I mean... I had a history here, and it wasn't always the best <laughs> best history, so I had to overcome some of that. But um, have, what have you noticed as far as as far as bringing change and casting vision, and you know, and and what that's looked like, you know, for you in in your ministry there? Two things probably. Um, first, I've found a tremendous blessing that because I've had a lot of years of traditions. I'm the type of person who I'll just say, let's wing it and try it and see what happens, <laughs> which is probably not the best route to let, go. Let me, let me, can I explain this? Yeah. So let me, I, I'll let you in on who Jason Bow is. <clears throat> Every week 
Brian and him would come to me with a new idea of how they were going to make millions of dollars. And they came up with, I mean, I don't know how many ideas they had of different things they were going to do. So that's what he's talking about. Like it's, I mean, if, if you let him like go and especially if you gave, gave him somebody like Brian who would just go along with it. Like if you let him go, like he would, you would come up with a new idea. Like you had new ideas about. Absolutely. And in my mind, they would have all worked and we would have been global billionaires in no time, you know? So I'm really grateful that, you know, um, I'm in a place where I can pitch an idea and no one, we're not just going to run with it right away because, hey man, this is the minister's idea. We're going to chew on it. We're going to look at our history. Um, we're going to make sure that it is, you know, not just a whim. Because, uh, you know, that's kind of the way it is. I mean, you you think, man, that could really work yeah. here. And you get excited and you, know, you can imagine it. But everything, everything that's conjured up in your backyard, in your mind, always works. Uh, <laughs> and in ministry... It's totally different because you're yeah. not dealing with ideas, you're dealing with people. That's right. You know, and everyone's different and there's history and, you know, no situation in that regard is the same. Um, and not only are you dealing with that, but you're dealing with people's consciences. Um, you know, Paul's very clear, like, we don't mess with people's conscience. Uh, you know, so to to change something, you may not have thought through that. You, you don't, may not, it may not be a stumbling block to you, but for them it might be. And who knows the reason why? So I, I, I found it a tremendous blessing um, in that regard. Uh, the, the second thing is, is, is I'm kind of partial to all the old traditions anyway. So uh, if you were to ask them, I've, I've brought maybe some more back than what um, they've had. Like I love all the pomp and circumstance in a sense. Not that, that, that's probably not the best phrase to use, but I, I love uh, stained glass windows. Right, I, I love you know the elders' chairs that sit outside the communion table. You know, they were, in our church they were always growing up. They were kings' chairs, uh, but I think some of those things have been you know have been lost. And you know that the communion table is a table, right? It's not a bar, right? And you sit around a table, so why not have some some chairs there? Um, even if you know, so like small things that you know people have thrown out and and gone. I. I find a lot of help in, you know, because nothing in our culture is sacred anymore. Right. You know, and the churches went through a, so if you pay attention to church architecture, around the, the 80s and 90s, um, it, it went to, and actually the building in Peebles was built um, in the 90s, they made it to where the idea was that church should be in and out. Um, so actually the way our building is set up is you got the front door, and then you have the bathrooms, and then you have the auditorium, and literally you're walking like 10 feet to get from the front door to the bathroom and 10 more feet to the auditorium. Why? Because the idea was, I want to be in and out. Um, and it was designed in such a way that it wanted to look like everything else. Um, you know, And that's nice when the whole entire culture is Christian. But now nothing is sacred. Right. And, and people, in, in my experience, they're yearning for a place that feels, you know, that has the feeling of there's something you know, set apart about this. Now, granted, we all know a building is just a building. You know I mean, what makes the church is the people. Um, but in my mind, to have that is just, it helps, you know, because you, you're bombarded when you come through, and you, you come in, and if you're like me, you know, now granted, we, I can walk to church because I live right across the street, but to ride in my van, you know, for a mile to get to church, and everyone's fighting and bickering because it's been a stressful morning, and then you come in, and the place looks like a, you know, a, a doctor's office or something, you know, but if you, you walk in, and it's like, you know. Right, that just helps you, or at least it helps me. Um, I, I found in my walk, I need a lot of help. 
Most of the time, right? Most of the time. As, Maybe others don't, but I do. do. We all absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, you you brought up a point about you know just how churches and how you're dealing with people and conscious and a lot of those things. But I think that's one thing that a lot of people that that aren't serving in some kind of a full time ministry position, you know maybe don't understand and that is it is not business you know and and while there are absolutely things like that we can pull from you know from some of those systems like the reality is when you are wanting to bring change there is a there is a deep reliance on the holy spirit to to influence people um towards that change if it is right and good and trusting that process. I mean, you know, you know, for me, you know, you ever do the Enneagram thing? Yeah. Like, so I'm a seven of a visionary leader or whatever that thing is. And, Mm -hmm. and so like, you know, when I, when I come up with an idea of like where I think we should go or what I think we should do, like the hardest thing for me was like to get criticism towards that initially, you know, but, and that was just being young in ministry. Like, you know, you take it very personal. It's hard not to take some of that stuff personal, but, but to come to a place to where, like you say, you drop that idea in and you trust the people there, not, not maybe because they're always trustworthy, but because the spirit is trustworthy. And sometimes, you know, that's right. Like you can absolutely trust the spirit to work in that through whoever is there, you know, and you love, you know, these men or these women who you, who you present these things to, but then trust the process, trust that the, the good is going to flush out and come, you know, too. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if it if it isn't the best thing, at least in this timing, you know, that it's that when they say no, that like that's okay too. Um, yeah, it is. It's, it's deep trust, man. You got to trust that they love you and they've got your back, and you love them and they've got their back, and that we we love the church and we're just fallen and foolish people who are trying our best. Um, and you know, we know we're not going to get it right completely right on um, this side of the new heavens and new earth um but man we we want to give it our best shot so yeah i i think if you don't have that trust it is there because you know an idea or anything is is a part of you you know and you're putting it out there so if they you know spit on the idea you you do we, we take it personally and rightly so i mean this is something that you've conjured up in a sense i don't know you don't maybe don't like the word conjure like it you know maybe a magic term whatever but you know it came from you um, so you're sharing that, and that's that's a tough thing, man. It's just like when a sermon, you know, you once the sermon is out, it's out. Yeah. And you know, the thing that I, I had to learn is it it's not my right to control how people respond to what I've said. You know, I I don't get that role. I'm not God, nor am I, you know, a dictator, nor am I them. Like I'm me, so I I can share this thing that I've poured you know, my heart and soul into. Um, but once the gift is given, it's out. And, and I feel like you, as a as a speaker, as a teacher, you've always been really, really good at, you know, at articulating that and thinking through that in a very scholarly way. I mean, just, you know, you just, you have that bent to you. And I never had that. And so 
for me, I, I dealt a lot with confidence issues when it came to, and I think we all do, but like it, for me, it was, you know, I know that I'm not this like deep scholar, you know, just brilliant mind bearded man. <laughs> yeah. This, this beautiful bearded man. Right. Um, but, and, and so it, it really, it really, I had to go through this process of, okay, I know this is the word you gave me and, and I know, um, that, that, you know, that as I prayed about this and as I processed and as I thought through this, like, this is the message that you had, you know, this week, I, it, 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 there was a process of, of trusting that, mm-hmm. but then there's weeks and I know, I'm, I don't know how, if this is the case for you, but there are weeks where I get up there and it just feels like a bomb. Like I just, it was horrible. And it may be for a lot of people, they were like, yeah, not, not your best work. But then there's like one person that comes up and says, I needed that. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that that really penetrated there and, and just really was meaningful to them was because I said a prayer was God used this somehow, some way to touch someone's life. And, and he answered that prayer and, and week after week after week, like that's the case, you know, and, and, um, it is. It's a. It's a. It's a maturing into trusting. You know that that the word that God gives you that week is 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 what needs to be said. Um, yeah, that's right. And two, uh, if I can piggyback off that, we. Uh, I don't know, man. Like I, if I'm not careful, I get caught up in fast food uh, mentality. Jesus was talking about how his word is like a seed, you know, that's planted. And I think I mean, how long does it take? You know, like seeds. They got to plant. They got to germinate. They've got to grow. I mean, it's extended period before yeah. you it bears any fruit. You know, and sometimes I think, man, like I've just I put out this great idea. You know, and then tomorrow I'm like I'm waiting for. Oh man, I wonder I wonder how it's going to work in people's lives. And it's, you know, give it time. Um, you know, these things take everything. Nothing in life in God's creation comes quickly. You know, there's months sometimes before you know you have life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I've mentioned a lot in messages and, you know, I've even, I think, talked about it on the podcast at times, just my calling into ministry. And, you know, I I can remember that day. I can remember the day I was driving back to school from home, probably working on the farm or doing something, and I was passing the, the beach water park. And it just, it seemed like every trip, back to school or home, it was just constantly, God, what, what is my future? God, what do you have for me? God, you know, what am I going to do? You know, is it, am I going to go back home and, and, and work on the farm with my dad? And, you know, do you have some ministry already set aside for me? You know, and at one point it was, cho- you know, it was uh, youth ministry. And at one point it was sports ministry. And the other, it was, you know, I want to be, you know, the next, you know, Dave Stone or, or, you know, Bob Russell, you know, it's just, you know, you have all these different like feelings of what you want. And I just remember going past that and, and, and just having this clear, almost audible, like this is, this is what you're going to be doing ministry. And it wasn't a def defined, you know, this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to do it. This is what it looks like. This is where it's going to be. It was nothing like that, but it was just a piece came over me that I knew for the rest of my life, like I would be in, in ministry, you know, I would be whether, whatever it ended up being, but I knew that I would be in it in some level. And it wasn't a general, I'm going to be a Christian in a community. It was, no, you're going to have, whether it be vocational or whatever, but you like, this is going to be, and it was just very clear. 
I knew, and from that point on, like how I studied and, and why and my whole purpose for all that changed and shifted. And then even early years in ministry when it was really difficult, a real struggle just because I was trying to find my bearings and, and everybody else was trying to figure out, you know, who this guy was that was now, you know, overseeing the church, you know, even though I was really young at the time and I made a lot of mistakes, like they were trying to figure that out. Like there was this confidence that no matter what, I was going to be here. And there was this, this, you know, this, this sure feeling of, you know, this may fall around, fall down all around me, but like, I'm here, like, like I'm going to stick this out. I'm going to, I'm going to follow through. Did, did you have anything like that? Like, what was your calling like? Like, you know, it, it, was there a moment? Was there a thing? Like, like, was it a slow kind of build? Like, what did it look like for you? And then how has that kind of helped shape, like, the man that you are today uh, in your ministry? I don't know if I had a specific moment. Um, I went to Bible college because I was trying to convince uh, my wife— now she wasn't my wife then that I was a worthy suitor. Um, it, was, it was about a girl then. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I grew up in church, but it wasn't like as a little boy I thought, man, I really want to be a minister when I grow up. You know, I mean, not not belittling ministers or anything. I miss what I am now, and yeah, you know, I mean, they're wonderful people, but that wasn't like a dream of mine. Did anybody uh, ever like say to you like, oh, you should do this? Um, I mean, you you had occasionally like. You know, I had one minister who would always, I think he wanted every young man to be a Timothy, you know, so I don't know if that was necessarily me or just, you know, everyone, but I think he wanted every, any man in the church to grow up and, you know, like you say, Paul and Timothy and, and sent out. So I went to Bible college there. Um, I I always had a love-hate relationship, I guess, with the, uh, I don't want to say that the actual church, but just, you know, the organization. Um so I've always felt very close to Jesus, but I've always been very aware of what can be hypocrisy, I guess, sometimes that manifests itself there. Um, so in Bible college, went for Ashley. The funny thing is when I got there, she dumped me. Um, so then I got to start taking these Bible classes, man. Um, so I spent the first uh, four years of undergrad really messing around and getting in a whole lot of trouble. Um, and... Almost got kicked out of the school. So even undergrad. So undergrad, you went, it was because of Ashley? Totally, 100%, man. So my, my dad had always told me I need to go to get a college degree. So, and I, I really had no motivation in life. I was a pretty lazy, um, lazy kid. And uh, so I thought, well, I got to go. I didn't have super high ACT scores or SAT scores, not because I don't think I was intelligent, but because I didn't, once again, didn't, didn't care, care. Yeah. Nor, nor try. But she was going to Cincinnati Bible college. And she had a very clear vision of what she, she was did. Do. She knew, man. I mean, she is a very pure, um, you know, when Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Um, that is my wife, 100%, man. She She's pure. Um, I, I was not the pure and um, had a very difficult time seeing that. So I, I don't know. So my call, I guess I wouldn't say, even if God was speaking to me, I don't know if at the time I would have heard it. I had to take a giant club, you know, I mean, bash me a couple times. Um, in in grad school is when I really fell in love with um, studying the scripture. When I really fell in love with theology, um, fell do you remember in love. what it was that really hooked you? Like, was there was there a specific book or a specific teacher? I, I or took a, a class with Doctor Cottrell, um, Doctrine of Grace. And did we were we in that one together? Was that the one we took together? I don't remember if we took that one together or not. I had I had Doctrine of. God. I remember that that was the one 
I, that was the first class that I took. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember if it's because you recommended it or because you were going to take it and you just wanted me to, to go do it with you because that was why you were working here. Yeah, I can't remember. But anywho, that, that, um, it's like my mind was opened to the generosity of God in that class. I love the little church I grew up in. Um, you know, it shaped me and formed me. But it, you know how it can be, man. Certain churches, if if we're not careful, the picture given of God is that you know He's an angry, you know, just hate-filled monster who's got unrealistic expectations, and you're not meeting them, and that's why you'll burn forever, yeah. like ha ha ha, um, on you. And and to to realize that no man, like He's generous beyond generous. And, and, and hearing that as a kid, you know, then when you do mess up. Like, you automatically assume, like, even if you want a relationship with God, too bad, man, you're out. Like, you screwed it up too many years ago. Yeah. Tough luck for you. Yeah. Um, I still think, I still think, you know, that's almost one of them ideas that even if you are diligent in, in, in like, pointing that out as a fallacy, Mm -hmm. people just naturally fall into that. It's just one of them ruts that people just naturally just fall into, like, this is what it is. Yeah, well, that's the first, when you go back to the Garden of Eden, uh, the temptation was, did God really say? And, oh, by the way, he gave you this rule so you wouldn't become like him. So he's wanting to thumb you down because he knows what you can be, right? So so from the very beginning, the temptation that the serpent has given us has always been God is, you know, cruel withholder. That's who he is. He's not loving father, but a cruel withholder. Hmm. Um, and I find interesting that when Jesus speaks about your heavenly father, he says, man, if you ask for bread, he's not going to hurl a stone at your face. Right. But yet, you know, we, in a certain regard, if you're not careful, you know, this is the way it comes across. Um, so that, that class really opened my eyes to maybe I'm not as yeah, unworthy. Well, I shouldn't say we are unworthy, but, but maybe I can still come into the graces of God, and another class I took was uh, God the Creator, and I, I that just opened my eyes to it. Everything made sense, you know. If God made it all, it makes sense why there's rules, you know. It makes sense why there's order. Um, it makes sense of why God is asking me to do what I'm doing. So it, it was very helpful. So from there, it's like light bulbs went on, and I'm like, dude, this is the greatest thing ever. I got to share this with people because I found it helpful. So, and that's when I got to know. I had gone on with the mission trip with Rick. Um, and you know, so he, he got me in and helped me out and then it's been on from there. So I've been in the church ever since serving in the church, um, in that regard. So I don't know if there was a moment per se, but like say a long progression where I'm very confident that this is what I'm to do. You know, every minister has that, that story of, you know, of, you know, hardship and, and coming up against you, like, when you've dealt with that, I'm sure there's been temptations to walk away from from organized religion in that sense, you know, from the church, or at least to where it was maybe difficult to see yourself moving on, you know, in it in a healthy way, in a beneficial way. Like what, you know, what are the types of things that you've been able to kind of cling to that have kind of that have that have that have helped you persist in 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 the ministry and even serving in in the role that you that you have now. Um, let me, I guess, uh, let me let me shape the question like this: like 
you know, I, I talked about just kind of being young and, and some of the things that where individuals came up against me, you know, for whatever reason, even if it was very justified reason, like it was hard not to take that very personal, especially, you know, because, you know, I'm, I, I'm very feely in, in, in my relationship with God and, and, and it's very founded in, in, in his word and in truth, but, but, you know, it's, it's more of, there's a lot of emotion and, and relational feeling that comes into that for me. And so, you know, when, when that was stripped away because of these things that seemed very negative, like it was hard. It, there were times where it, I, I was very angry, very upset about what was happening. And I could always kind of point back to, no, I, I, I have this clear calling of, I, you know, and I am going to see this through regardless. And, and almost this mentality of like, you know, I was young, so it was easy to say, like, I'm going to outlive you. And so, like, you know, that mentality, I'm going to be here regardless. You know, there's nothing that is going to chase me away from this. Like, what what have where have, what have you kind of been able to cling to in those moments? And, and, like, how have you been able to walk through those well? That's a good question. I guess we never really thought too much, too much about it. Yes. Um, so you stumped me stumped on that him. one. Yeah. Yeah. Can we can we answer that next time? Oh, I had a, it's just coming back. That All means right. a, a good answer. Um, part of it is just stubbornness. Um, you know, just to be quite honest, like like you. Okay, great. Like if we're gonna go punch it out, I'll just outlast outlast you. You know, like Muhammad Ali style. You know beat me as much as you want and then we'll and then we'll go but I, I guess the thing that's changed fairly recently is man like it won't all be well until Christ return mm. so for me to expect that is just foolhardy mm-hmm. you know and and why anyone does what they do is so complex and there's never one variable and who knows but i i have been called to be obedient and and oftentimes i think what what happens is is we have a feeling that that someone can take this thing you know take this thing away from me whether it be my credibility or you know whatever like there's this almost like this zero sum game so there's only so many pieces of the pie to go around and you know I mean, it's a battle a battle to get that but when you realize that it doesn't work like that. Every good, perfect gift comes from the Father. You know, what I mean, the Scripture is very clear. Whatever trial comes your way, um, in the, because of the goodness of God, the trial doesn't make you less, but makes you more. Yeah, as odd as that seems. No, absolutely. Y- you know, so once once I got that, it, you, you're not you weren't scared any. I wasn't scared anymore. Okay, right. This is what. You know, I mean, just think about it. I mean, because when you look at the cross on Friday, you think that God has lost and Jesus has lost and his ministry was a failure, right? But three days later, surprise, like this is how God saved the world. Yeah. Through a dying man, bloody, and everyone was mocking him, you know? And he said nothing. He had no answer in a certain regard. Um, He didn't need to answer. But they were, you know, if you are the son of God, come down. In my mind, I'm thinking, I'm coming down show you man i'm gonna call fire down like you know james and john isn't and that's a very cultural thing and Mm -hmm. and it's it's i mean we're seeing that in the political realm right now we're seeing that exact mentality it's very i mean it's it's 
that is our culture. You know, when some of these mandates are coming in, I'm not going to do that. They're going to, they're going to have to kick me out of this place because I'm not wearing a mask or, you know, I'm not, you know, I, that is a very American cultural thing, Mm -hmm. but that is not biblical. You know, um, it is, it is a, it definitely is, I think has created environments where we can be successful, but, you know, it, it, you have to have the right perspective and the right mentality, you know, and it, it, in in a a very Christian and and Bible founded way, you know, to be humble, but yet have the confidence to walk through that well. Yeah. And to knowing, knowing who I am in Christ, you know, what is a human being? Human being is inspired dirt. You know, like I've, I was told to stand up. (laughs) So stand up and go. Right, do these things. God, you know, will take care of what needs to be taken care of. You be faithful, and it reminds me of the the passage in John at the end of the book. I think it's twenty-one, where Peter, Jesus tells Peter, "You're gonna, you're gonna die for me." Peter looks and says, "What about John?" Jesus says, "I'll do with John what I want to do with John. Mm. You do what I've sent you to do." Um, And so I've been sent to do this, at least this time in my life. Right. Um, So it's not, it's not for me. To think about what if or how or where, like no, because when I stand before Christ on Judgment Day, it'll be, dude, um, I gave you this task, and you spent all this time talking about how Kevin got the better gig. Like it's not you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, I let down my my Savior, my King. You know what I mean? My Commander, the one who gave me my marching orders. You know, the one that raised me up in the first place. So I, I think once I understood those kind of things, it, you know, not that it, it still doesn't hurt sometimes when things happen, but, you know, like it, you have resolve, you know, we're going to keep going. You know, that kind of piggybacks into, you know, what, what we want to talk about. The tagline you gave for this is we can choose to be informed by fear or formed by faith. And, you know, we, we're living in a time... In the year 2020. 2020 vision, baby. <laughs> I mean, you know, if if you would have told me that this is what was going to happen in 2020, I'd have laughed in your face. I mean, because it, it really is. I mean, this is a word that gets overused, but I mean, it, it, it's so true. This is this is an unprecedented time. Yeah, and, unpredictable. And un- absolutely, an unpredictable time. Yeah, so I like that, and I'm piggyback off the idea of uh, un- unpredictable, because it, in my mind, where, where worry, or if you want to throw around the term anxiety, I know you know it's a broad term, it can mean a lot of things, maybe we'll just stick with worry. Um, worry is always a specific prediction about what the future will hold. You know, I think about any time that I worry, well, man, I wonder if they're going to take that in the wrong way or, you know, and I think I got this specific prediction about how that person has understood this thing or what they thought I did. And, and it's, and we're not very good predictors. No. And 2020 and, reminds us of that. Right. And, and, um, it's this rabbit hole that we allow ourselves to go down, you know, that just, if, if we keep going is never ending. Like, like, you know, you can, you could begin, I don't know how many times, you know, I've, you know, they're, they're a meeting where we were going to discuss something difficult or a counseling session where I knew I was going to meet with this person and, and some very hard things were going to need to be said. Or, you know, somebody said, I need to talk to you. And you knew like it was not going to be a good conversation. Exactly what they were going to talk to you about. 
<laughs> and then they call you two days later, and it's not at all. Right. Yeah. You play it out in your mind. Absolutely. Right? You go through this whole process of, well, here's what's going to happen. They're going to say this, then I'm going to say this, then they're going to say this, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to get the better of them because I'm going to have this point where I'm going to say this thing, and, and then this is what's going to happen. And then you show up, and especially after you spend a lot of time bathing it in prayer, and it's like, it goes just so smooth or it goes so well because you've allowed the Holy Spirit to kind of come into this. Yeah, that's right. Well, see, see, in my mind, God gave us uh, the ability to imagine how things could be. I mean, because he commanded us from the very beginning to have dominion, to subdue and to rule over the earth. Well, man, if you're going to build a house, I mean, if you're going to have dominion over something, take a tree and kibosh it and turn it into a home, you have to be able to see what this tree could possibly be. But just like with anything, you know, we live in a fallen world. So this wonderful blessing of God, the ability to see what might be to create a business or a church or a job or, a, you know, I mean, build something, when sin gets involved, it becomes corrupt, right? And we begin to worry, like, I can see what this relationship's going to turn out before it ever, it ever does. And, and, and we, instead of, if, if we're to contrast worry, if worry is, is, is a specific prediction about the future. Hope would be not a specific prediction about the future, but but about a specific God. Like that's the difference in my mind. Like when I place my hope, I'm not in God. I'm not thinking that this specific thing is going to happen. But I I believe in a specific God, and He changes circumstances, and it's always surprise. Like who would have thought Sunday morning? You know, after yeah. Good Thir- Friday, yeah. especially with, which is followed by Saturday. So you go through this painful moment, and then you've got Saturday, which is a whole lot of nothing. You can't hear from God, no one else, and you think, see, this is a perfect sign that the whole thing is over. And then Sunday morning, you know, Mary shows up, and she doesn't even anticipate it. She thinks he's the gardener. Yeah. You know, totally, what, this is it, the apostles, none of them. They all missed it, you know, so learning that I think is helpful. And it's the same thing in this, this year. You know, we're trying to predict what's going to happen next. You know, and it just stresses us out. It, it stresses out. And, I, you know, the calls that I get, you know, from individuals, you know, who are living this and, you know, we're we're seeing an isolation for a whole, a whole demographic of individuals because of a pandemic where, you know, they, you know, they have, they've allowed this thing to, to almost consume them to the point where they've stopped living their life, you know, and then with the whole, with everything that's going on politically and how negative that is and how, I mean, the future looks, I mean, if you listened, if you listen to the news, you know, the future looks very dark. Um, and then even, you know, what's going to happen with my money, my 401k, what's going to happen with, you know, with, with Thanksgiving, am I even going to be able to be with my family this Thanksgiving? And just, there's so many things that, that I, that I, you know, as I've talked to people who are, who are allowing that fear, that worry, that anxiety, you know, to come in, you know, that they're really, they're looking for an answer. They're looking for, you know, a way out. They're looking for some hope. Yeah. Yeah. I I find it interesting. So one of the things I always ask people and it kind of catches them off guard. I said, Hey man, when Jesus teaches about um, anxiety and worry, what's his remedy? What's his solution? What do you guys think? Immediately everyone's like prayer, you know? (laughs) And And the Bible does say that, you know what I mean? Offer up prayer, you know, and all that kind of 
um, good things. But but what I find fascinating is that, is that Jesus doesn't say pray in that moment. He says, go out and stare at some birds. Go consider the ravens. Consider the lilies. And, I, and, I, and when I first, you know, when I first really started taking it seriously, I thought, what? What is this? Yeah, they like what kind of advice is this? I'm stressing out, man. The world is ending tomorrow. Like I got panic attack and kind of no idea what's going to happen. And you're telling me to go look at some birds? Thank you. Yeah, but then, but why? But then when you actually do, it's odd how it works. So, so, so for example, right? The, the Bible begins in the beginning. God created the heavens and earth, right? And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. So oddly enough, the Bible begins in darkness. And the very first word spoken is "Let there be light." And then there was evening and morning, day one. See, in my mind, you know, the way I view the world is that my day starts in the morning. I work and I work and I work and I work and I work. And then I go to bed hoping that God will take care of the mess, like tie all the knots at the end and make sure everything was taken care of. That's not how the scriptures teach us to look at it. The scriptures say the day begins at nighttime. And what are you doing with nighttime? Nothing. Sleeping unconscious or subconscious, I don't know would be the correct technical, you know, phrase. Your day begins with God moving first and setting up everything that you need to make it through that day, you know? I think this is why Jesus is telling us, pay attention to nature, right? When you're stressed out, when you're fearful about tomorrow, look at that stuff. I mean, just, just think about farming. Like, how does that make any sense? Let's take a kernel of corn, which could feed you, and let's bury that into the ground. Hmm. That makes every amount of sense. No, like, I mean, this, this thing that could save you, bury it. And then, and then if you wait magically, I mean, think about, you know, so one little kernel produces a, you know, stock. How many ears are on a stock? Well, at least one. You know, sometimes your sweet corn, you got two. I just looked this up today. The average uh, ear of corn is 800 kernels. How does that make sense? This one little kernel that gets buried produces 800. Mm-hmm. You see, when we begin to worry, we think that this thing is going to bury me. It's going to bury my job. It's going to bury my family. It's going to bury my finances. It's going to just, it will consume me. And the lie that the Satan tells us is, see, and when it does, you have nothing to show. That's true if there is no God. But in God's world, you bury the thing, and what happens? Holy smokes, man, like 800 kernels. Who would, have, who would have thought God is always a God of surprises? You know, so when I hope in God helping me through a moment, I'm not hoping for a specific outcome. I'm hoping in a certain God. And when you look at the world, you see his plan over and over again, right? Over and over again, right? I mean, just uh, every night you go to bed, and then every morning you, you wake up. So I'm 36 years old, so if my math is correct, I've... I've done this approximately thirteen thousand one hundred forty times. <laughs> it's probably more, like those numbers. No it's sense. probably it's probably more like twenty thousand because typically for the past ten years I've been waking up or woken. What's the right word? Woken up. I've been woken up by my children multiple you're, times. You're, you're woke. I am woke <laughs> a lot. I am very woke most of the time. You know, that's another subject for now. That's time. right. That's right. But you, you think about that, right? Like, what, the thing that we fear most is death. You know, like, well, how, how do I know, dude? Like, I, in one regard, like, I, I am preparing for what awaits me. So, so Mark, Mark chapter five, uh, when when the little girl, uh, Jairus's daughter, dies, Jesus comes in. You remember the story? And he says, "Hey guys, don't worry. She's asleep." Mm-hmm. 
And, I, and I'm thinking, dude, if I was there, I would be furious. Like, what do you mean saying my daughter's asleep? She's dead. Like, have some respect. Yeah. And they begin to mock him. And like, who says something? Who says something like that? The one who spoke the galaxies into existence is the yeah. one who says something like that. The one who can call dirt, inspire it to become man. And what does he tell the little girl? Little girl, it's time to get up. You know, like when we see God for who he is, it doesn't necessarily make life easier, but we trust in his wisdom. You know, the the thing that I I observe you know, in our, in our culture, in this day and time that makes this more nuanced, more complex is that the things that at the end of the day that we begin to hope for in our futures tend to be in promises that God doesn't give. For instance, you know, we create these little kingdoms in our life you know, whether it be the job that we have, the comforts that we can provide ourselves, you know, you know, if you went and opened our fridge right now, it's like stacked with stuff. You know, I go to people's houses and they have like just a few things here and a few things there. It's all organized. And, you know, with ours, it's food on top of food on top of food just shoved in there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just, that's how it is. And, and so there is this, there is this, this worry that comes from, well, you know, what about my, you know, my four wheel drive, two thousand, you know, nineteen truck? You know, it, it, that's that. It's it's losing that. It's 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 more selfish type of desires and wants that we allow to kind of consume us and create an anxiety and a worry. You know, and it, and 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 sometimes it isn't. You know, the big things like you know, life and death and you know, and, and some of those things. And, and so how it's, it's also as a Christian, like having the right perspective on, on the promises that God gives that we can cling to, but understanding that he's not, he's not promising that you're going to be rich and wealthy and, and have comfort and have all these great things, but that there's going to be a provision that will be, that will be good enough and, and even trusting in that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the, the thing I've, I've always found helpful is I like to go back to the story of the Exodus because it helps us understand where we're at on our journey because Jesus is the new and better, better Moses, right? So they're in slavery. Their journey begins in darkness, 400 years crying out of just heavy labor. So God sends a deliverer named Moses, right? And they Moses goes in, you know what I mean? Pharaoh's butt's kicked, and they, they come out. I mean, it, it's such a stomping that the Egyptians voluntarily give all their gold. Here you go, have a great time, <laughs> right? But when you follow along the story, like, from there, you've got this huge spiritual high. Immediately, they're led into the Judean desert. And they're in the desert for multiple days, with God leading them, by the way, with no water and no food. Like, happy birthday, you're my child, here we go. You know, and like, we tend to forget that. Then they get to the mountain, right? And they get the commands, and, and from there, where does God take them? Right back into the desert. And what they get every day is this, what is it, bread? That's what manna means, what is it? This thing that comes down. And they're only allowed to have enough for that day. Mm -hmm. If they try to keep any more, it rots. 
and that 40 years, and this is God leading them, you know? And Moses tells them, man, this is for your good, so you can learn that God is the faithful father. He's not the cruel withholder, but the generous giver, you know? And, and sometimes we, 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 we forget that. We think when we come by the baptistry, that's when our troubles, you know, end. No, man, that's when you're thrown into the wilderness. When Jesus came out of the baptistry, where did God send him? Right to the wilderness. Yeah. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the same story. Pow! 40 days, nothing. And all oh, by the way, who comes and hangs out? The serpent, you know? The serpent. So so we, we, we have to remember where we're at in the story, you know? We're, we're, we've, we've been saved. You know, we've, we've had that. We were slaves to sin. We were dead in our trespasses, but Christ has made us alive. But now we've got that long wilderness journey until either Christ returns or we die, and then we step foot into the promised land, you know? Now, granted, our our wilderness may not be as difficult as theirs, but it's still there. So, yeah, we got to check our expectations and remember what story that we're in. And the the thing, you know, I I try to say it like this. It is knowing the promises that God gives us you know, in, in all of those stories and in, in, in that whole, you know, the whole biblical narrative, it's, it's understanding here is what he's promised and, 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 and knowing that and, and, and allowing that to sink deep into your heart. But then looking back at your history, looking back at church history, looking back at, you know, the new Testament and old Testament and, 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 and all the way through in all the ways that God has fulfilled that promise. And, and so here are the promises that you, that we're to believe in, but then look at all the ways that God has come through in your life. Because I, I think that's a lot of times where we lose it. We lose it. Like we know these promises, we know these things, but then we forget to then look back at our history and see all the ways throughout our life where God has come through and provided yeah, that's right. In Deuteronomy 8, that's what Moses tells them. If you forget the fact that God delivered you through the wilderness and the fiery serpents and all that, you will become either presumptuous, thinking that you've accomplished this on your own, mm-hmm. or bitter when the whole thing comes crumbling down. So yeah, you're, you're 100% right um, on that one. And, and two, you have to expect the fire. I mean, Peter reminds them, in, in us in 1 Peter um, 7 and 23, like the fire is just a part of the deal. Now, what the Satan will do is he'll try to tell us that the fire can destroy you. That's why I go back. When Jesus said, whenever you're worried, go look at some trees. Think about the sequoia trees, man. You know, you, you mean you talk about them big redwoods? Huge. The ones where... Yeah, yeah they're like... They got the one where uh, they cut the... They, they you cut, drive through it? Yeah, yes. you can drive through it. Yeah, so here's the thing, Is man. that one still living? I was, I was thinking about it the other day. Is that one still alive, or is it just like a, a touristy thing? I don't know. I don't think that they... I've been to the General Sherman, which is... The world's largest, I think. Yeah, Somewhere. you've been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they don't die like from natural causes, if I understand correctly. Like they, the only thing they get so top heavy that every once in a while they'll, you know, they'll crash over. Like they, from the roots, or just like like break off at the top. Yeah, like I think the whole thing can, yeah, you know I mean, come crumble. From what I understand, there, but like they're they're not susceptible to fire, you know. So they got forest fires out there. But here's the crazy thing: like they're the little seed that they drop is in like a, um, it's like a, like a little. You know, I don't know what you'd call it, man, like a seed container, you know, like a walnut, you know, it's got the container over that. Is it a plastic container? I don't think so, man. That would be really, 
convenient. Yes. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Trees are supposed to end global warming, man. Not, oh, okay. I'm just yeah. teasing. Yeah. But anyway, the only thing that opens that little pouch thing that they're in is fire. I mean, just think about this, right? Like, so the fire destroys everything else, but it's a thing that unlocks the potential for the seed. And this is what's so crazy, right? Is is everything that is that giant, massive sequoia tree is within that tiny little seed. But the only thing that unlocks the potential is fire, hmm. and then to be buried. Yeah. And this is what the scriptures remind us, that Jesus says you're going to have trials and tribulations, but because greater is he who is in you than in the world. What what does Peter say? All that fire will do is purify, right, you as the person. How do we get to that place where we can embrace that fire? You know, I mean, that's, that. I mean, because you... Because for a lot of people, I mean, there are people that absolutely have gone through some junk in their life, but yeah. then there are a lot of people who have not really faced real fires in their life. You know, if, if that's the, how do you, how do you get to a place where you can not only, you know, walk through that fire with the confidence that, that, that like the birds and like the lilies that God is going to provide, but to then have a perspective that I'm going to embrace this. Like I'm going to, I'm going to cling to this knowing, you know, the outcome already. How do we, how do we get there? I think by the grace of God. And I I think it happens in the moment, you know, see that's, that's the thing I've noticed with like worry or fear or panic or, you know what I mean? Like you pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. God, I just need you to take this thing away from me. Like give me the sword to slay this dragon, whatever it is. You know, I mean, then we get mad that God doesn't deliver the sword. Right. But the question we never ask is, well, dude, maybe there's no dragon. Hmm. You know? So we convince ourselves that God's not helped us in this moment, but maybe the thing that we're fearful is not even there. Yeah. Like it's part of our imagination. But 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 you notice people who go through the fires, like the people who go through through cancer. Like it's the oddest thing. You when you're like you're in the presence of such power, man, right? And you think you're almost humbled. Like I don't know if I could do this, right. but I guarantee if you asked them beforehand, they would have said the same thing. Right. Like is in that moment. Why? Because man, when you're connected to Christ, the greatest enemy is death. It's that fire, and death has been defeated, right? Like it it now has no power over you. Christ does, you know. Now now to us, we think, well, sure, it's got some kind of power because. You know, it takes the people that we love. Yeah. But what's the story? The story is death awaits all of us. But so does resurrection. Yeah. And what goes into the ground is not, is less than what comes out. Yeah. Right? That's what Paul says. The body that is going to be buried is perishable, but it's going to be raised imperishable. And it's hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, my dad died of cancer. Yeah, I mean, so I watched the whole... The whole thing degenerate. You know what I mean, the body, the strength, all of that. And in the moment, right, all you can do is cry out to God and, you know, like I, but I, the, the passage reminded of me, you know what I mean, is that, is that as his body wastes away, like, you know, we've got this treasure in jars of clay. Like that man was as strong as, and it wasn't a physical strength, man. There was something in his spirit, man. Like it, the, the cancer just tore away his body. But what was left was this piece of gold. And in resurrection, man, like I will see made new. 
Um, and I think that's, we always got to go back to where our hope is not in a specific outcome. If I'm praying, God, I need you to take this specific thing away from me or don't allow this to happen, then we will be disappointed. Did, when, when you experienced that, when you, when you walked through that, and I was a little bit a part of that journey, you know, as your friend, you know, through that, but was there a moment where you went through just a dark time personally? Absolutely. But what comes after Friday? Saturday. And what is Saturday? Nothingness. Darkness. Cold tomb. And this is our spiritual journey. Our spiritual journey is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So so we don't fear on Saturday. In a certain regard, Saturday in in John's theme is day seven. It's the day God rested. Mm. Why? Because new creation was coming out of the tomb on Sunday morning. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? And Absolutely. if I'm in Christ, man, what's true of Christ is now true of me. And, and Christ went through those moments. I mean, Thursday night, he was alone by himself, you know, in the garden, at a tree. It's the Genesis story. Would he trust that God is a cruel withholder or a generous father? Take this cup from me. No, man, you got to do this. All right. And he trusted that God would bring him through. You know what I mean? But story after story in the Old Testament. I mean, you, you go, this is a fun, fun thing to do if you'd like to do this, right? Go read through how many one of God's men was thrown in a pit, man. <laughs> like it's story after story. <laughs> Joseph thrown in a pit. You know what I mean? Moses thrown into water. Daniel, pit of lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, pit of fire. I mean, it's just one story after another of God's man being thrown into what you would think is going to be the thing that's going to end him. Right. There's no hope after that. In every single time, God, there. And that's how I say it's not a specific outcome that we're hoping for. It's just, we, hope, we hope in a specific God. Yeah, we know the ultimate outcome. But the book of Hebrews will tell us, right, that by faith, some people, they got their children raised from the dead. The others got their sawn in two. But both went through in faith, knowing what? That, dude, when the new heavens and earth come, game on. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Right. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, um, in that regard. So yeah, I think that's how we we just do our best. Absolutely, man. In that regard, Jason, it has been a pleasure. Where boom? That's Latin for word. <laughs> <laughs> if Cody were here, we could maybe have a Latin like as our language. Does he possibly. know Latin? Uh, that's a stretch. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, my kids, my kids are learning Latin in the little school that they go to, so they teach me these these fun little words. Nice. Yeah, where boom? Because I, I like to say word. <laughs> no, we like so. This is like twenty nine. Twenty nine. This is episode twenty nine, and for like the first twenty or so episodes, Cody would come in with a new language every week, and so we we're, we went across the board. I mean, we went we were. There were Asian languages and European languages and, you know, South American languages. I mean, we just went all over the place, but it would have been a good theme to have like a Latin as our... Well, you're welcome. <sighs> Man. For the new word, you, you, where boom. Where boom. boom. We're going to have to remember that. We will. Mm-hmm. Good. No, good stuff, man. I, You know, you're right. Like the, it is so easy just to to look around and get wrapped up 
in everything that's going on instead of, you know, like you say, just being a bird watcher for a little bit, you know? Yeah, just for a little bit. Just go out and, and watch some birds. Yeah. Just slow down. I, I did watch some birds today. Yeah, see, it's great. Fun I did. I, I was, I, it was after lunch and, and I walked outside and I saw this flock of birds and um, as I'm watching them, this hawk dives in to try to like kill uh, is that the kind of bird watching you're talking about? Like this, this hawk dives in to kill these little birds that are on Absolutely. the ground. Absolutely. <laughs> because even in that regard, that hawk has been provided for. That's right. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the big theme. You know, we tend to view God's blessings as monetary. So when those things start to, you know, shrink, well, no, God's not faithful. But the scriptures say, no, 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 you look at creation to see God's faithfulness. Mm, yeah. So I've been alive 36 years, and the sun has never once failed to come up. And yeah. granted, I understand that we're spinning, and it doesn't work like that, but you get the concept. You know, as long as the sun is up, I know God is in control, and I'm good. Now, if I ever wake up one day and, like, there is no sun, I can start to panic. Yeah, Like, yeah. something <laughs> has happened, right? Because the scriptures teach that in Christ, all things hold together. Yeah. You know? So I, what Snyder always used to say, man, as long as your nose is still stuck on your face and it's not flying off, you're good. Christ is still holding all things together, you know? Amen. Amen to that one. But I just thought that was funny. So, yeah. Well, this has been um, a uh, great discussion. Sure appreciate you coming, man. I know thank you. got a family, got a church, you got a lot of things going on, but uh, thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule to come and uh, and be here with us uh, th- this evening. Uh, what a blessing uh, to me, and I know everyone who who listens to this. So thank you again, Jason. We'll have you back, man. Anytime. You want to come back? Yeah. Awesome. Cool. I'll bring a new Latin word. Oh yes, dude. We could just we could we don't need Cody anymore. He has been replaced. Yes, he's gone. Cody's gone. Don't Sorry, Cody. Don't say that. If you listen to this podcast, we voted you off the island. <laughs> <laughs> no, do truly appreciate it, and uh, um, some wise words, and 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 just a good reminder in a time where it's easy just to get caught up in everything that's going on. So, would you close some prayer, Jason? Sure. Father, we thank you just for another day of of life. Help us to remember all the many ways that you've provided for us uh, down through the years. Father, help us to continue to trust your provision and your plan. And help us to rest on your promises. And to remember that the faithful one in this relationship is not us, but you. That you will provide. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And this is us. Signing off. Bye.